This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Welcome everyone to episode 17 of Ohio Unsolved. I'm your host, Matthew, and I've got an interesting story for you guys today. With Valentine's Day coming up next week, I found a story that fits the holiday. The story of how Ray Tanner murdered his wife on Valentine's Day. So everyone, sit back, make sure to lock your doors and windows, and get ready for Ohio Unsolved. There isn't a whole lot of information online about this particular murder, but I will give all the information that I can find. Ray Tanner was born on October 19, 1956, to working-class parents in Cincinnati, Ohio. The son of a truck driver and a housewife, he was the sixth of 11 children. Although he was described as having a fairly uneventful childhood, Tanner was also said to be very hyperactive. He was careless and sometimes behaved as so to create a substantial risk to himself, states a report by psychologist Fisher. The problem was so acute the mother would sometimes tie Mr. Tanner to a chair so that she could attend to her other children without worrying about the defendant's getting himself hurt or into something. Ray was also a very poor student, and he dropped out of school in the ninth grade to work full-time. He served in the U.S. Army Reserve for two and a half years, but did not receive an honorable discharge. He was married for the first time in 1975 to a 16-year-old girl who was pregnant by him. The child was given up for adoption, and they had another. The marriage ended in divorce in November of 1976. With help from his brother, Ray got a job with Ryan's Steakhouse, where he eventually met Maria. They were married in September of 1987, but Fisher reported that Maria Tanner's diaries showed a troubled relationship from the very beginning, 
with Maria feeling insecure, unloved, and trapped. Ray and Maria would move to Fairfield, Ohio. According to reports, on February 13, 1990, Maria took her husband to a cemetery to hear a sales pitch about pre-buying burial plots. This simple act somehow convinced Ray that his wife wanted him dead. That night, Ray claimed that he got absolutely no sleep. The next morning, according to Ray, something made him go completely crazy. He said that he didn't know who he was, where he was, or what he was doing. Somehow, the couple started arguing, and Ray started throwing plates and threatening her. He then proceeded to stab her in the face and neck and killed her. The next thing that he did was the most horrific. He took one of his meat-cutting knives and cut her head off and then placed her head on their bed. Now there are two different things that I've read about what happens next. One is that after placing his wife's decapitated head onto their bed, he then walked to the local police station in his bloody clothes and confessed to what he had done. The second thing that is said is that during the argument, Maria's mother called and Maria said that he was going to kill her and her mother called the police. The police showed up after the murder and found Ray getting in his car attempting to leave the scene. I'm not exactly sure which one actually happened, so I included both. What did happen though, after being arrested and his trial, Ray was found not guilty by reason of insanity. He spent only six years in a state mental health facility and he was released in 1996. He's since under court order to have therapy sessions only every four months and to submit to random drug tests. Maria's mother is convinced that he fooled everyone into believing that he was mentally insane and now he's living a free life. This is definitely one of the crazier stories that I've read about since starting this podcast. Mentally unfit or not, Ray Tanner should spend the rest of his life in jail for what he did. He murdered his wife on Valentine's Day. He then cut her head off. Of course he was mentally unstable. No rational person would do something like that. Justice was not served in this case. A young woman is dead, and her murderer is out walking free to this day. Our next story is another listener story, and this one comes from Justin. And it's pretty intense. So let's just get right into the story. In 2009, I was living in Hartwell, Ohio with my friend. It was a duplex house built in the 1800s as part of the railroad system. His parents lived on one side, and the other side was condemned. I was helping him renovate the house so that he could live on that side. After a few months, the side of the house was a livable space. A few weeks later, I was taking a nap, and I woke up to a scratching on the wall. 
didn't think much of it, so I fell back asleep. When I woke back up, I noticed that my right thigh was burning. I lifted up my pant leg, and I saw three superficial scratches on my thigh. I brushed it off, chalking it up to me doing it on my own. As time progressed, though, I would wake up with the scratches on my body in a different place about every other day. And then one time, my friend and I were talking about the Bible, and the next morning I had scratches all over my body instead of just a localized area. The scratches would become a common thing all the way up until 2015. One morning, I woke up and noticed that my back was burning. I went into the bathroom, and there was a smile-like emoji on my back made in the scratches. While driving to work that day, I passed a digital gas price sign. That's when gas prices were about $2.35. It read $4.44. From that time on, I would see 444 everywhere. Come to find out, it was some sort of an angel number. I still see them to this day. I found out a few years ago that someone had hung themselves in an upstairs closet in the house that I helped renovate. Spirits do not like change of any kind. At least that's what I've always been told. The paranormal activity didn't only happen in that house either. It followed me everywhere. Such an intense story. To deal with something so clearly demonic and be able to live a normal life afterwards is just outright amazing to me. Thank you, Justine, for sharing this incredibly scary story. And if you have any more, please don't hesitate to share them. My final story is a creepy stalker story from an unknown location titled Someone Under My Bed. If you enjoy this type of story, let me know and I'll include more in future episodes. I am 22, and this incident happened a year and a half ago. I had just moved into my first apartment and was in the process of moving in. The door that led into my apartment locks itself automatically when closed, so I was going to the entrance of the apartment complex to check my mail while talking on the phone with my boyfriend. I returned to my apartment and I sat on the bed while opening my mail still on the phone. I then dropped the phone on the floor and it landed under the bed, so I had to lie down and stretch to reach it. That's when something caught my eye. There was someone under my bed. My eyes widened and I choked back the urge to scream. The person under my bed was lying still with his back towards me and his head to his chest so I couldn't see his face. And he didn't see me, so trying to be rational while so many thoughts rushed through my head, I picked up the phone and said, sorry I dropped my phone. I'm just going to take a shower and I'll call you right back. The bathroom is right by my bed, so I hastily walked in, quietly locked the door, and I turned the shower on. I then jumped out my window, my apartment is on the first floor, and I called the police. They told me to wait nearby, 
but to go across the street and see if anyone comes out the door to the apartment complex. This was during the summer and it was still light out. I placed myself across the street, hiding behind a car while watching my open bathroom window and the entry door. I then called my boyfriend and he came over just before the police arrived. I gave them the keys and they went inside. Only moments later, two cops came out holding a thin and tired looking man. His eyes looked crazy, but he didn't try and get away. The policeman that had stood beside me and comforted me while the police searched through my house. I was a mess, shivering and crying. He told me that the man stood outside my bathroom door with one of my kitchen knives waiting for me to come out. The man had somehow crept in my entry door while I was getting my mail and he hid under my bed. The man that was trying to hurt me turned out to be a homeless man and he was placed into a mental hospital. My boyfriend moved in with me the very next day. The police had told me that what I did was truly amazing and very rational. If I had screamed, this could have ended really badly for me. Well, that's going to do it for today's episode. I do apologize that its length is kind of short this week. I just had a hard time finding any real information on the first story. If you enjoyed this episode, please rate and review on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. A five-star review really goes a long way to helping others find this podcast, too. Don't forget to join us on Facebook, follow us on Instagram, and if you'd like to help support the show and help make it better, subscribe to the Ohio Unsolved Patreon. There's three tiers to choose from with some perks for each. There's two bonus episodes up now, and I'm hard at work on a third bonus episode. And the bonus videos for the demonic tier are coming soon as well. Weather permitting, I will be headed to the first location this weekend. Once again, thank you all for listening. Make sure to keep your doors and windows locked and stay ready for Ohio Unsolved.